Isabel. And I'm Ben. Welcome to Conversations in Company, a podcast from the charity Suicide & Co, here to make the suicide loss a little less lonely. We've both been on this journey for a few years. I lost my cousin to suicide in 2017. And I lost my brother to suicide in 2018. We really, really hope that we and our guests can offer you some companionship wherever you are on this journey. Welcome to episode one. Welcome to episode one. Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, so we, we've been working, we've been thinking about this for a while, so we're actually here on yeah. the day. I'm really pleased I can do this because I, so for a little bit of background, I wrote a show about suicide loss after Jen, about which charted the year after Jen died, and I've kind of just kind of got to a point where I was like, I need to park the show, and I was like, I don't know how, how else I'm going to like carry on doing something you know, that kind of honours her memory and also kind of can give back to people who were in my position where I was six and a half years ago. And so that's why I'm really pleased I can do this. Yeah, and I, I think this is so brilliant. I just jumped at the opportunity to do this because for me, losing Sam to suicide was just like so shrouded in taboo um, and people yeah. wanted to help and people wanted to support me and there was just this barrier to having conversations where people really didn't understand what was going on. So if yeah. someone had lost someone's suicide, it was, it was a, although I had lots of support, it was really lonely because no one really understood what it was like losing a brother to suicide or losing. And so I think this podcast I'm so passionate about and Suicide & Co as a charity I'm so passionate about because it just breaks down that barrier. Look, the person listening to this, you, yeah. you've, you're probably here because you've lost someone too. And how special it is to be sit, sitting here having a really open conversation about yeah. what it's like. And I didn't have that with someone that knew what it was like. Yeah, I didn't. I, I knew people who'd lost people to suicide. And also, like, you, you, I feel like you find them very quickly. Like, yeah. you, can just, you can almost see it in someone. But, like, at what point it's very difficult to find a group or like just just someone to go like okay yeah this is this is how I felt yeah like fine or like discussing how we felt yeah. and stuff so it's quite nice hopefully for you to be able to to listen to that's this. the plan yeah <laughs> that's the plan and exactly so I get for the first episode we're talking about timelines yeah right and and for me timelines means god when it when it starts you sort of sit there and you look at your life and for me at least I saw no way through it and I just didn't yeah. know where it was going to go and everyone's telling you time time will heal everything and I was sitting there like I just don't see how anything's going to get better I was 21st of January 2018 is when Sam died which is I think the day before Blue Monday so it was yeah. like yeah not it was just grim weather disgusting weather yeah. although ironically it was horrible weather the day he died and then the Monday the next day was beautiful sunshine and like frost and my favorite type of winter weather yeah. Yeah. what about you so Jen died on the 12th of January 2017. So uh, not, uh, I, I think there's something about, I wonder if there's a January thing. Mm. I don't know. But so yeah, in that that month of like, January does feel like the longest month in the year. Oh, yeah, definitely. It definitely lasts about seven weeks. But I just remember being like, oh, this really pit, pit of winter. Um, yeah. So I feel like that first three weeks, I remember just being like, like literally just plodding towards the funeral. Mm. Yeah, I guess for me though, just I it was such a I don't, I could I could not tell you how long it was between Sam dying and the funeral. I've got no idea. No. There were so many things I remember happening, and I've got no idea whether it was two months or one day yeah. between them. I've got no idea. Oh, um, wow. And also, you know, when Sam I was seventeen when Sam died, so I wasn't yeah. really involved in the funeral, doing any of that. Right. Um, so I was just I look Gosh, back, I was just so, in this abyss so of nothing. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't easy um, to be that age. But then again, like I guess I was fortunate in a way because I had school to fall back on. Yeah. And it was weird. Like my entire life, I hated school. I hated work and revision and stuff. Like I was yeah. seventeen. A levels were on the horizon, and suddenly I was emailing my teachers, being like, "Got any more work for me?" <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I was so desperate to just oh get my God. out. <laughs> so I was there. I remember like emailing my physics teacher and being like can I get the lesson notes from today? I just want to go over it. Like some A-star student. I was just desperate for something to do, which little Ben would have looked at being like, 
you nerd. What are you oh, doing? No. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but I was so desperate for for that just relief of doing something else. So yeah. I guess you know I was lucky in a way being at school. I had that outlet, and and obviously yeah. um, because of how it happened, we, me and Sam were at the same school. The school was pretty aware very yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I hear when I talk to other people that lose people to suicide, there's this really difficult thing of how do I tell people at work? Oh my God, or it's like, so hard. And I guess for me, it was, it was automatic. Yeah. The school Everyone had to know knew, that one yeah. of their students was not going to turn up. So I had to message my boss that on the morning I found out and just say, so my, Jen had been ill with mental health issues, but she'd attempted suicide exactly a year before. And so my boss was very aware, but I had to message him in the morning and just say, like, like text and be like, hi, my cousin's killed herself, like, I can't mm. come in today. Wow. And he was like, oh, just take your time. But it meant that, like, I worked in finance at the time, and it wasn't very, like, emotionally... <laughs> it wasn't a particularly emotionally mm. open place. Yeah. And um, so I turned up on... I think I worked from home on the Monday. Someone brought my laptop to me, and I worked from home on the Monday, and then I was like, I can't... I cannot stay in the house. Like, like literally, I didn't really want to be around people or talk about it, but I also just found myself being like, everything, mm. all of my thoughts are like bouncing around these walls and I need to get out. So I started going back into the office, but um, I remember someone being like, oh, where, you're, you've been off for a couple of days, where, where have you been? And I was like, oh, um, I, unfortunately my cousin died last week, so I've um, I just took some time working from home. But it meant that like, then everyone straight away like, oh, how did she die? Mm. And like, there were a couple of people I sat near and they were quite friendly. And so I was a bit like, I can tell these people. But then like having to go into work and like also I am I was like the bubbly person. And, and I literally at one point, I don't remember it, like in the first maybe four months, someone came over to me and was like, what's wrong with you? You're really quiet at the mm. moment. And I was like, yeah, unfortunately my cousin killed herself mm. in January. And he was like... <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to say yeah. you're like I mean you literally came over and asked what's wrong with uh, yeah. me and so you've got it there it is on a there plate like that's crazy yeah. that, that is such a difficult thing to do though because what I don't know from your experience I found this because I, I was quite a bubbly person and I think during that time, you still I wanted. Are, babe. Don't yeah, know. but I. No, I know. Yeah, I was such a. I was such a happy, funny person <laughs> <laughs> back in the day. Um, you have that. I feel like there's a pressure to like be that same person. Yeah. And I, I was going to school where I was really sad, and I remember this so well. Like, I was, like, joking and laughing. I mean, I went literally. The, so Sam died on a Sunday. I went to school on Monday. Did you? Yeah, because so I spent the whole day at home. We had police rounds. All these people rounds. I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. People come into the house to hug us and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I was like, I just need to escape, get out of here. Yeah. And so I went to school that evening um, and literally skipped into the grounds. Hey, everyone, how's it going? They'd all been told that, that my brother had died. And I was like, you're all right, how's, how's things? How's it going? And they were, they must have been like, what a sick joke. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I was so, I, there was so much pressure just not, not, not not like lean into yeah. what was going on um but then again like from your experience then having to tell people I, I felt I had to keep on being like oh this like and every time I saw a new person or like someone I hadn't seen for I think I was also like I'm not gonna I didn't want to put like anything I didn't want to put necessarily something on the internet initially but I remember a couple of days in I was just like oh, I'm just gonna have to put something on Facebook which I don't really use Facebook anymore so I find it really funny that I did this but I was like I'm just gonna put it because then there'll be enough people that will have seen it who might, when they next see me, go, oh, actually, something's happened to Isabel. They might just have a little thing in their head that goes, oh. And so I put, and I didn't put how, but I just was like, and also because quite a few of my friends knew Jen because she spent quite a bit of time with my family. And so I was like, I'll just put it on there. And I remember being like, unfortunately, very sad to say that my cousin Jen died last week. Um, Very, like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it just meant that a few people also texted me but, like, definitely with work stuff, I had to be, like, I had to keep telling people. And then also, so, I like, I was signed off sick at the beginning of April. So Jen died at the beginning of January, and I was signed off sick three months later. And I had six weeks off. And it also, some people just, I don't know how, like, some people didn't know at that point. And I think I must have been really, really quiet about it. I feel like I'm so open, and it's such yeah. a big part of my life now. But I must have been so quiet about it then. And I remember coming back from six weeks off and someone came up to me and was like, 
Isabel, because I was like the team assistant, I was like, someone's EA, but also the team assistant. Someone was like, Isabel, where have you been for six weeks? Have you, have you been off doing an acting job or something? We've run out of yeah. notebooks. Oh my God. <laughs> Just like, I was like, oh, no, like, where have yeah. Someone was like, have you been on a holiday? And I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> so I just, after a while, I remember like, I got to a point where I was able to talk about it mm. a bit more easily. And I think it must have been at like nine or 10 months. But like, I can kind of remember being like, oh, unfortunately, my cousin died earlier this year. So I've been doing, you know, just had a bit of a like difficult year or like, I've been a bit quiet or I've, mm. you know, doing doing this or that. And like, but I remember being able to actually articulate it without and also, I think realizing after a couple of months, going like, "Oh, now I know how people react to it," and I don't remember what, what what point that was. I reckon it was probably about six months when I go, "Okay, no one likes to hear the word suicide straight away, mm. but you also have to acknowledge that as soon as I say died, people are going to go, oh, how?'" And you have to be like, mm. "Well, how am I going to cushion this?" And so I I remember like learning that I had to like, if you make a little face first. <laughs> This is so awful. I can feel myself doing it sometimes. But I'll say, oh, my cousin died. And they'll go, oh, no, did she, was she ill? And you go, mm, yeah, she, um, she, she had paranoid schizophrenia. Like, yeah. And then they go, oh, 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 ooh, ooh, yeah. And it's like learning and also learning how you, you deal with that. And then going like, okay, now I know how to deal with this situation yeah. a bit better. But early on, I just remember being like, how do you say something? Yeah, and you, you're you're so right with suicide. And I guess this is why the suicide specific grief yeah. and suicide specific podcast is so important because it is yeah. so different. You, you people are like, oh, how do they die? Expecting it to be something that cancer, cancer, or yeah. something. You, like, especially young people dying, yeah. it's not something you, you hear about every day. And so, to then go back with suicide, it you draw on all of those stigmas and all of those taboos that are so historical, and people are like, oh. That's really yeah. awkward, right? And that's a really difficult hurdle to jump across. Mm. And also, you know, when you're... Because most of the time when you're telling people, you're telling people very early on. Um, yeah. And it's in a time where it's self-preservation more than anything. Yeah, And absolutely. so really... And a lot of the time people have questions about, like, what's the best way of telling someone? And to be honest with you, it's a really difficult conversation to have. But I would say, looking back at the time nothing I was saying to people was ever going to be remembered in... That was a weird thing to say. Yeah. I think at that point in my life, it was about self, self-preservation. self And actually, looking back, I shouldn't have cared about how I was coming across as much as I did. Um, you know? It's very uh, easy to say that to yourself now, yeah. though. Like, obviously, True. that's the other thing. Cause like, and also, in the moment, you're like, I... You're, you're like, I don't know... I don't know how I feel about this still. Mm. You're still processing, I think. Yeah. Did you go to uni that year? Yeah. Did you? So I did my A-levels a couple of months after Sam died. Yeah. Um, which was a weird... To be fair, it was a great... Um, there's nothing great about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. It was great for good no. Um No, we did my A-levels, which I've always been, and Peter, my brother especially, like, hates the fact that I can I've been always very very good at fluking exams and like doing no you work bastard. and then turning up and just being like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you managed to do the levels didn't go too badly thank goodness because that would have made the year a lot more yeah. difficult and then ended up going to uni in September and that's a weird I mean we're talking about timelines that was weird yeah I was gonna because say nine months in like nine months in very very fresh yeah. in in terms of you know how long it had been but I sort of went there and for at least the first few days, it was like this new leaf. Yeah. And I was away from home. I had So obviously Sam died in our house. So that was, you know, being able to leave that was actually quite yeah. a nice... Oh God, I hadn't even considered that. That was quite actually. a nice like change of scenery. Yeah. Um, new friends. People didn't know what had happened. Obviously for me, it was slightly different because my social media was flooded with BBC Radio 1, Ben's going to talk about like yeah. <laughs> suicide. Um, so it didn't take long, but, you know, people added me on Instagram were like, mm, something's gone on here. But never really sort of um, talked directly about it until I remember one day I was on the radio. I think I was doing BBC Radio 1 yeah. um, and they had it playing and they were like, that's Ben. <laughs> oh, and then wow. it was sort of like their front and centre. And actually for me, that I, again, like I, I come back to it, I was I was really lucky because I never had to say this is what's happened. It yeah. was, 
oh, you've got this thing on your Instagram, or, oh, we heard you on the radio talking about this. It yeah. was sort, sort of people just already knew. But no, it was weird going to uni. Um, and actually, in hindsight, I wish I, I, wish I hadn't gone straight away um, because what happened was that initial relief of being somewhere new yeah. got a little bit... Isolating. Isolating. Obviously, uni as well. I loved the... So my, my flat door had this... In, in halls had this big sign that said fire door keep shut I think it's an amazing analogy for for universities nowadays yeah. you know that fire door slams shut and it's just you in a room yeah. um and you can be as social as you want but I think it was I don't know if I looked after myself as well as I did I remember breaking down in in the streets in Liverpool um and a homeless man had to like hug me and we ch- chatted for ages oh, no. um so it was a case of like <laughs> just a very, like relief of being somewhere different but then desperate for the comforts of yeah. home but then you know home was where it all happened yeah I, you know, it was not a nice place to sleep and be no, I could imagine. for a while yeah because I, I I was 31 when Jen died and so I just had I was like oh this is my life mm. like I I'm just carrying carrying on a little bit and um I so but, but for context, I had like a day job in finance, but I was a writer and performer. And so I really pulled back from my own work. For, so I was like, right, I'm just phoning in my day job, which I was actually working very hard, if anyone's listening from that job. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. I wasn't like making yeah. a massive effort to be like, oh, I'm like overachieving in this job. And I didn't really need to, but like, and I didn't do very much. I really pulled back from performing but then I didn't, um, then you're like, right, well, I'm just doing the job that I don't even, I don't even care that much about. Yeah. And um, I remember being like, yeah, I think it must have been in like September, October, just being like, right, I have to pick myself up a little bit because yeah. I'm like, otherwise I'm going to spend the next 20 years working as an EA in finance. That's not actually what I want. But I found myself being like, right, I've got to pull myself out of this a little bit because I remember being like, oh, I'm really wallowing a little bit. Um, but I didn't have any big change or anything in my circumstance. I was still just doing the same thing more and more. And for me, it was like, I think what I really needed at that time was just to be told more about what I was actually going through. Yeah. Because I think what happened was things moved weird isn't it because things moved so slowly after Sam died yeah oh but my then God, also that. they moved incredibly quick and it's really hard because I can remember this feeling like it was going on forever but actually then suddenly being at uni and what happened was like it felt like I just it felt like I'd got over it in a way but then at the same time I had a horrific amount of guilt and shame that yeah. was under the surface. Felt awful. Unis, a lot of drinking. That probably wasn't a great relationship yeah. I had in the first year. And and things started coming through. And all I really needed was, at the time especially, someone just be like, you realise this isn't your fault, right? Or yeah. Because guilt for me, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to it in other episodes, was horrific. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. Especially as an older brother, I was like, I should have been looking after, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All I really needed was someone to interrupt that. Um, and and because I'd sort of, in my head, just ticked the box of, oh, I'm okay. I'm at uni. Look, look, yeah. I, mean, people... I feel like you must have gone like straight into activism as well. Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. I didn't have a choice, though, because... <laughs> so we had Sam's funeral, um, which was a complete blur. I don't remember much of it at all. Yeah. Um, and then school said let's do a memorial for so all the you know rightly so everyone at school had a chance to have some closure and have a bit of a memorial service yeah so I was just like I'll say something um and wrote this like 15 minute speech that I just read out in front of everyone bear in mind I had like 600 people in this room my family our neighbor because she didn't make its funeral and you know, it was like this memorial service, and I just basically said this whole thing about um, the enormous amount of guilt I had for not saying that I loved him, and then also the fact that so many people have 
mental illness. So many people are struggling. Yeah. Why are we why are we shaming them so much and why is it so difficult for people to talk? And that for me was just the start of my activism because I let I stepped down off that stage. Yeah. And every single message I was getting before that from people was if there's anything you need, let me know. I hope you're okay, blah, blah, mm. blah. As soon as I came down for that stage, every single message I got was, I'm really struggling. I've got anorexia. I've got depression. I've got needs. Like, everything suddenly changed to, I need support. Yeah. I need help. And I was like, how absolutely crazy. And I guess internally for me, there was lots of different things going on. There was, um, I want to help these people, but actually a very, very large part of me, and it's something I haven't really spoken about before, was completely terrified of losing someone else at school. Oh my God, I get, um, I have such terrible... Terrified. Yeah. Because, and I've said this to people, you know, in moments of sort of panic and, and like sadness, I've said, I, I won't survive again. Like, I just won't survive again. And for me, hearing of all these stories, and even now, to be honest, like I <laughs> talk about my job and being a campaigner, quite blasé, like relentlessly hearing people struggling yeah it's scary yeah and sometimes an ambulance will go past and i'll be like oh god it's awful yeah you've made me cry it's fine don't worry i'm fine (laughs) that's gonna be a lot of that on this (laughs) podcast (laughs) um but it's that is there's that fear isn't there of not being able to do it again i feel i get a really big thing about letting people down now and i because i i think that that guilt thing as well and like i so jen I think for British people, obviously, like, cousins aren't necessarily as close. And some people are like, oh, I don't really know my cousins. Jen had, like, long-term mental health, like, mental health problems. And so she spent quite a bit of time with my family. We're quite a big... I think there are 11 cousins, which, again, for a British family is quite large. And also, we we were born two weeks apart. And so, like, I, like, I grew up with that person hitting the same milestones as me. And so for her, for me to... For me to still be alive and for her to to not be de- like alive, I am like, that's just not fair. Like, what happened mm-hmm. here? Like, the parallels are a little bit too close for me not for me to not feel like, but I've I've let her down by still existing and like existing oh. quite happily. Yeah. And I think um, I definitely get a lot of that guilt now of like survivor's guilt, but also guilt for not the year before when she'd attempted suicide. I'd noticed something was wrong from what she'd written on social media and then what I'd I'd messaged her and she hadn't messaged back. And so for that week, for me to have not noticed that things weren't right, I feel like such an absolute, like... And I also, that week, I think for about a week afterwards, or maybe two weeks, I remember being like, oh, it's your own fault for not checking. Mm. It's your own fault for not messaging her. You didn't send her a message that week. You hadn't replied to her birthday message. Like, she'd messaged me on my birthday and I hadn't got through all of them. And, like, I remember thinking I was going to call her that week. It's that thing. And I remember two weeks after she died, I remember there was something in me being like, Isabel, you can't, like, this This is not healthy. This is a cycle that your, your head's perpetuating and you've just got to shut it out. And it's one of those things where every time something, like, it's almost like a disruptive thought every time it pops in... It's like going like, nope, 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 because otherwise it, like, that would have eaten me alive for much longer. It still, it still does, but just not to the same, like... I was going to say, I mean, so I've had this again where, you know, I had horrific guilt because not only did I have what, you know, what you've described about sort of having those warning signs and feeling like you should have done more. You know, Sam had been diagnosed, we never spoke about it together. Um, And... But for me, the extra layer of that is another well, another layer of that is the evening that Sam died. We had dinner together, yeah, and he was so disengaged, and I really didn't like that. And so I hadn't. I just shouted at him, had an argument. He disappeared upstairs, and that was the last thing. Yeah. So for a long time, I was convinced that he did that because of the argument we had. Yeah. And because of the last thing, f off was the last thing I said. Like that's. I was yeah. convinced. And so for a long time, people were coming around our house, hugging us, and people at school crying. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Like, it was horrific. And I've gone through, and we'll get on to, like, fit, uh, professional support yeah. and, and support. I went through an enormously long and an incredible journey, understanding that that guilt is so misplaced. Yeah. And really, for me... You know, having an argument with your brother and not mentioning something difficult, like people do that all the time. It doesn't yeah. kill people. Um, there's something else has to happen for that to to get to that point. Yeah. And and also, 
for me, it was about trying to find an answer. Suicide is such a difficult thing to understand, mm. such a difficult thing. And my, my brain, the only tangible, understandable thing my brain could come up with was, oh, I, I must have done this. Because yeah. that's so much easier to understand than he just decided yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, and so it's like the, the more understandable thing, but it's so, so difficult. And it's something that I've, I've, I've every single person that's lost someone's suicide I've met says the same thing. Mm. The guilt is absolutely unlike anything that you can possibly go through, but it's completely misplaced. We, there's, there's two types of guilt, healthy guilt and unhealthy guilt. Yeah. Healthy guilt is when you've done something wrong. You like mm. walk out, walk out here and slap yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's healthy guilt. You show you've hurt do someone. That. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my coffee? <laughs> um, that's unhealthy guilt, right? Uh, that's healthy guilt when you've done something bad yeah. and you've hurt someone. Unhealthy guilt is when you haven't done anything bad. If you've spent a day in bed watching Netflix instead of what, instead of doing yeah. your work from home, like, you've not hurt anyone. Are you in my head? <laughs> <laughs> it's not hurting anyone. It's un it's unhealthy, it's misplaced. Yeah. And that's the same guilt that we see with suicide. Yeah. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't hurt anyone. You haven't done anything unnormal. Yeah. Um so that guilt is completely misplaced. And it's your brain desperately trying to come up with a solution. Yeah. And the biggest thing I've learned through all of that is self-compassion. And we're gonna talk about this is one of my yeah. favorite things around guilt and grief and trauma and all this. Just having a kind voice internally is yeah. so important and so when I was feeling guilty it was constantly you've done this oh my you're such an awful person blah 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 and there were moments where I hated myself and what really flipped it was for someone that I trusted to say you didn't do anything wrong yeah and then for my brain to then be able to have compassion of actually Ben I can see why you're connecting those dots in that way yeah but that's not how it and sort of talking to myself in quite a compassionate way, which is so much easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but that really is the crux of it is suicide is made so much worse because no one understands. And because no one understands, your brain tries to come up with reasons and solutions. Yeah. And a lot of the time that is negative. Um, again, this is why we want to do this podcast, because guilt, it, it's very, I find it incredibly sad how many people don't survive losing someone's suicide. Yeah. Um, that's 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 why this charity exists. That's why this what I do exists as well. I find it incredibly sad that grief due to suicide is a fatal can be fatal. Yeah. Right. A lot of that is down to people not understanding what it's like feeling alone um, and having an enormous amount of guilt. It, it's sad because that guilt is completely misplaced. Yeah. Um, and I've been there. It was not. It's not nice to think that it's your fault. Um, but anyway, that's. Um, I think it's also like. At some point along the way, we've all felt it a little bit, like oh, in yeah. different ways, and just acknowledging, like acknowledging that that will happen in some way at some point. Probably, yeah. you'll feel that, and so I think that's one of the things that I found really reassuring about talking to other people who've lost someone to suicide is that you go, "Oh, okay, this is not just it's not the uniqueness of my head and my situation." It's just how our brains are trying to do yeah. stuff. I think also, so I'm just trying to think where you, so you're five and a half years in yep. now. Yeah. And I think it's also quite worth acknowledging. I found at three years, so beginning of 2020, I remember, so I, I was still quite depressed yeah. through 2019. So a full three years later, and I definitely hit a bit of a, in that, so actually Porna Bell put on her Instagram the other day about, she put a post about how, um, She'd felt a sudden wave of grief in the mm -hmm. middle of a spin class of all places. It was like a song, which again, I felt like we played Radio Gaga at Jen's funeral because she was obsessed with Queen. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. But I've like heard that in a club in Thailand and been like, oh God, I'm yeah. supposed to be having fun here. But um, it was actually oddly on the anniversary at the beginning of 2019 mm. that, that that song came on and I was like, you're just, you're, you've come out here to, to make sure I, <laughs> I remember it's the anniversary, haven't you? Yeah. But I, I felt quite depressed still right through until the end of 2019. And I remember at the beginning of 2020 being like, I have to pull myself out of this a little bit. And it's funny how the old pandemic was like, do you know what? There, there is a bigger world out there. Mm. And I remember being like, okay, well, 
this this has been a bit of a jolt because I I remember thinking that that was the first thing that Jen hadn't lived through, mm. but I like I I think I, I'm I, I feel the same as well. Yeah, I think Sam would have found that so. Oh God, like she, Donald yeah. Trump, by the way, because he he I think well he went to Halloween just before he died as Donald Trump. Yeah, and I was like, how funny it would have been for him to have known what happened I next. <laughs> Um, but I've like I definitely feel uh, I feel almost guilt saying this. I feel like a like a different person six and a half years later. Mm. I've like it's also I find it much easier. It's partly because I've written a show about it, and like now it's part of like my I'm quite comfortable talking about it. But like six and a half years in, it's like oh well, my cousin died in 2017, and um, it was suicide. I find it like, and I can literally watch people and I, I keep their gaze while I'm saying it I'm really open about it and I'm much more able to be like this happened um yep I don't know I've written a show about it I'm much more like mental health aware um and also you know much more aware about like suicide and it's wider like all of the things around that but I, I think it's worth saying like it, there's a big I, I do you know what actually one of the biggest things that I've taken away is that you know in Harry Potter you're Harry Potter yeah okay fine so you know when Harry goes up to the castle from the Hogwarts Express yeah and he's in there in like a, some kind of horse and carriage yep. situation but him and one other person I think it's Luna they can see what's pulling oh yeah they're called Thestrals okay and I remember thinking that my that once Jen died, and I, I've had other big deaths in, in the past, but Jen was probably the closest person. And I remember thinking, like, oh, it's now like I've seen, uh, like, uh, I've, I can see an expanse of darkness that I couldn't see before. And it's not that I don't have good, you know, I have good days and bad days, as we all do, but, like, I now am aware of those thestrals. And so I, like... I'm still the same person. I've like got this whole, you know, I've got a whole different, you know, very different life that's that she's still there for, I feel. But um and that I've kind of bring her with me, but that I'm just aware of it now, you mm. know. And I that's the the best way that I can describe how I feel now. Like I'm aware of death. I'm aware of of how that feels, but it's not there day to day. It's just like something I can I see sometimes. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that too. Mm. Yeah, um, I completely relate. I think for me, so I'm five and a half years since old. Sam died. <laughs> why? Yeah, who let me on a podcast? Yeah. This is this is must be against some law. Yeah. <laughs> I'm five and a half. Um, <laughs> I got up really fast. Um, I five five and a half years in since Sam died, and um, yeah, my my journey was a little bit more difficult because I think I started activism that year, twenty eighteen. Yeah suddenly was like, oh, this is great. I'm, I can tell everyone. I'm really comfortable with talking on the radio, talking about... It was, re- like, suddenly really easy for me to talk about it. Yeah. And I just... What I did was I pushed everything down to the bottom. So there was, like, a story no, that I, I th- told. I thought you might have done. And yeah. I was like, I'm not going to say that out loud, but, like... I completely. There yeah. was a story I told and a feeling that I just smushed and squashed. Yeah. And, so, and I remember it so well, because I'd go on podcasts... And I would sit here, like I'm doing now, and I'd say this really emotional story about losing Sam, and I wouldn't feel emotional at all. Yeah. And it was because I was, I was telling a story as if I was recalling what someone else had told me. Yeah. And it was there was no emotion in, at all. And so I thought, oh, I'm doing really well. Like I'm, you know, I'm coping quite well. Yeah. That's how I looked at what was going on. And then I started counselling. And again, we're going to get onto this in other podcast yeah. episodes. But I started counselling and realised, oh, there's a lot that's just yeah. been completely squashed. And, and it's not that I've consciously done that. It's just my brain trying to protect me from all yeah. this stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been five how, and a half years. How quickly in did that happen? Did you realise you were squashing, smushing things down? Oh. Um, then I think you've just caught me lying. I think I, <laughs> I knew I was squashing stuff down. Okay. But it was more the fact that I said it out loud. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, yeah, I am. Yeah. Because I, came, I sat in those podcast things and I was like, mm. I basically just remembered a story someone's told me. Yeah. And then I sat there with my counsellor and I was like, oh, there's a lot they haven't told anyone. There's a lot that I... I think, though, t- to give you some credit here, I think like hitting the story beats and going like having rehearsed lines isn't necessarily a bad thing because I don't want to be reliving 
that right. whole era every time someone asks me what happened. And so just going, my cousin died by suicide at the beginning of 2017. We were born two weeks apart. It's very sad. And I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, 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 No one also needs more than that. I don't want to give yeah. more than that a lot of the time. But I think knowing that you haven't, yeah. that, like being aware. So I definitely had a bit of a moment where I was like, oh, I'm actually coping really well with this. I've gone back to doing stand-up again, like making jokes on stage. I'm hilarious. <laughs> um, and then I started having really bad dreams, like for three, four months in. Yeah. Like terror and I didn't realise I was so Jen's brother, I was like, Oh, I have really bad dreams about him. He goes, Oh, I do too. And I was like, Oh God. Not like not not awful thing, but like she'd disappear mm. in the dream and I'd be like, Where is she? Yeah. Like just her presence around, like there, there. Or I'd like hear about like where she lived a bit, but like old Bournemouth rugby. And I'd be like, Jen like rugby, blah 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 blah. She was everywhere. And I remember being like, This is not healthy. Yeah. And also then at what point, like, I felt that that happened to me late March, beginning of April, so two, three months in. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, well, who, do I, who do I tell this to? Because I, I wasn't having yeah. counselling at that point. We were like, what am I going to tell, tell my best friend that I'm having a bad, I'm having bad dreams? Yeah. I'm 31. <laughs> nope. Right. Um, but I, yeah, so I, I remember that. I felt like I was falling apart at that point. I do actually describe that as a breakdown now. Like, mm. cause I was, it got, they got worse, and I, that was when I was signed off sick from work. Mm. And so, yeah, but that bit, like, it definitely, that, like, beats thing of going, like, oh, this is what happened. And then also, that's when the, I mean, obviously, we'll get to counselling, but, like, yeah. That's when the counselling comes in. Mm. I think that's so so interesting. That's when you bring in the professionals. Here we go, bring in the big guns. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think as well, when we talk about grief, um, and again, when we go back to that first part of the timeline when everyone's like, time's a great healer, and that's an impossible thing to imagine. And so I'm five and a half years in, and what you've just described, I had the same with a few dreams that sort of came through, or like a few wobbles and a few moments or a song coming on. And sort of, I think, at the time, my approach to dealing with grief was to squash. And if you're imagining just yeah. squashing something down, eventually things are just going to seep out or like yeah. something's going to pop out and that would be a dream or a mm. bad day or something. And really for me, time's, a he- time's not a healer because you can squash it for a very, very long time yeah. and you can have things pop out. Dealing with it, and I never really understood what this meant because everyone at the time was like, you've been through something really traumatic. You should get, you should see someone. You should deal with this, Ben. Yeah. Um, squashing it for so long things are going to pop out the way I look at grief now and the way I sort of describe it um or my sort of analogy for where I'm at is on the 21st of January 2018 someone gave me a rescue dog okay (laughs) and it was so badly behaved and I spent years angry at it shouting at it throwing it around just being awful to this dog and every so often it would bite me and do things badly. And then one day I decided, actually, I'm going to love this dog and care for this dog. And I'd look after it and I'd be kind to it and it would misbehave and it would bite me and I'd be nice to it and stroke it. Mm-hmm. And then one day, as we are today, the dog's sleeping on the sofa and I'm stroking it and it's nice. And occasionally it comes up and bites. But now I deal with it in a really nice way. With grief, it's the same thing. You get given this dog that you don't really want, this uh, this animal, this yeah. thing that lives inside you, and your response is attack. It's awful. I don't want it. The big change that I went through was how I dealt with it, and I started becoming compassionate and loving it and and treating it in a way that wasn't rejecting it from who I was and rejecting it from me. Yeah. And now, yeah, it'll have bad days, but it's part of me, yeah. and it's a it's... A signature of love. grief is a signature of love. It's the it's what's left behind, and it's awful, and it has awful emotions ne- surrounding it. But if you can, it's so much easier said than done. But love it and change your relationship with it. Yeah, you can live with it, and the the and the number of times that it bites you and rears its head just become less and less and less. It doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah, your relationship with it changes, and as your relationship with it changes, its relationship with you changes. And for me now. It's just a case of living with quite a dangerous dog that that <laughs> loves me and yeah. every so often will nip me on the ankle <laughs> or something. And, and, you know, that still happens. Songs come on, things happen and yeah, yeah, yeah. dreams will come out 
And it's not a case of being like, oh, God, I'm dealing with this so badly. I don't want to feel that. Yeah. It's just trying to understand, being compassionate. Like, you've gone through something awful, Ben. Mm. Don't beat yourself up or be angry at feeling sad every so, so often. My, um, so I called my show Ellipsis because I don't actually know if I've told you this. I think I probably have. But so people who've attempted or contemplated suicide often use a semicolon. And that is like the point between two related clauses in a sentence. And I remember being, I remember seeing that everywhere after gender. I didn't know about it. And then I'd be like, oh my God, that person's got the tattoo. Oh my God, I've just seen that on Instagram. I've just seen that on the necklace, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm going to do... I'm going to get a semicolon tattoo because for me, the point that Jen died was like a, a massive turning point for me in my life. Mm. And then I remember being like, no, you're appropriating someone else's journey. That's not what happened to you. Blah, blah, blah. I've never been suicidal. Blah, 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 blah. And then I clocked when I was writing that very early on when I was writing the show that an ellipsis, so dot, dot, dot in punctuation is firstly, you can use it to indicate that someone's missing but it's also at the end of a sentence, it indicates a continued thought. Mm. So that's why I called it ellipsis. So I'm like, to my my life now, for a lot of people, like the semicolon represents quite a big thing for them as they carry on a life after a, a, a very, da- very dark point. For me, my life is now just an ellipsis. It's like the continuation of like, okay, mm. that happened, but I'm still here and I'm still continued and I'm still... There's always that thing missing, like she's she's gone, she's missing from my life, but also the continuation. And I think that's for me quite an important thing that like I like the acknowledgement that she was here and she's still part of my life, but that it's continued mm. because I think it's so easy to get oh god. And I like I was stuck for so so long. I just remember being like I can't. I need to find a way. I need to be able to pick myself mm. up and look up and move forward. And like that, it's it's definitely not easy. But no. you know, there's there's so there's so much life in us all. God, that was fucking deep. <laughs> <laughs> there is. I feel like, uh, yeah. and I didn't. I I really wasn't living my life for a good couple of years. And actually, now I, I feel like I am. And it's you yeah. know, it, it, it's nice. <laughs> so, um, if if. 17-year-old Ben was listening to this podcast. He'd probably listen to both those stories and be like, what is this cryptic, <laughs> cryptic <laughs> analogies of... And it, the, the reason they are so cryptic to people that probably think, mm, that's a bit of a weird way of talking about it, is because they, it's a really, really, really difficult emotional experience to sum up and, and give words to, yeah. right? Um, but anyway, that that's where we're both at. Where do you... That's a bit of a weird question, I guess, but how do you see the next six and a half years going where would you like to be in six and a half years where do you how do you see you that hollywood no hollywood no no (laughs) but um six and a half years later so that would be make it 13 years which i think is i'm not that i'm not that superstitious but that definitely gives me a bit of a like oh 13 years hello um so i think i'd like to still be honoring her in some way and i and honoring this honouring her and also honouring what this has been like. Mm. So I've spent, you know, most of the last six and a half years making a show about it and then now I'm doing this. And I think I'd like to still always have that as part, like, have... I'm... I've lost someone to suicide and that's still part of my experience and my journey in this life because I think that I wouldn't ever want to have forgotten Mm. what what a turning point that was for me um i i'm pretty sure i'll still just have moments of like quite i it sometimes just hits me all of a sudden like in the middle of nowhere it'll be like jen jen died by suicide like that's so awful and i'll be like oh my god Mm. and i think i'll still have those but i i don't anticipate i'm hoping i won't have another big like a big episode of like really, really dire grief that lasts longer than like a couple of hours. Um, I'm really, I just, I'm really proud of myself in a way, like particularly over the last like couple of years, just being able to, cause I've been doing the show quite regularly and having to relive the moment where my mum told her that I, that she died. So I'm proud of myself for having got this far and also making it part of my journey. And I'm excited to make it 
more part of my journey and in different ways. Mm. So, Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. What an amazing tribute to someone as well. Yeah. Being thanks. able to do that. And it, it's something I found so much comfort out of as well. Yeah. Um, for me, I, like I, I went straight into campaigning and trying to help people and that's <laughs> turned out to be a lot easier <laughs> said than done. Yeah. Um, long, long hours spent in Parliament I wish I could get back. Yeah. Um, and you know, on the one hand, it's been really lovely doing something positive and, and doing this. But on the other hand, it is, it is difficult because... W- the, the, I've sort of found that it's my... It's now your full-time job as mm, well. And that's... that's My identity is yeah. a day in January that was all... Yeah. That, it does feel like that sometimes. It's quite a lot, I imagine, not to put words in your mouth, it's quite a lot of emotional labour that you've taken oh, on here. Yeah. Like Huge. And do you think that will be your forever? This is the question. Look, I've, I'm incredibly, incredibly driven to just help um i'm very lucky i've been very straight up for the last five years i wanted a job that allowed me to do this yeah um luckily i've been able to make this my job um at least for now um it's difficult and i've uh, struggled through the relationship and i guess to answer my question again it's like where would i see myself in five and a half years that's 11 years um five and a half years from now um how old will you be then oh god um, 20, 29, 28, 29, I think. Yeah. That's no, yeah. Three yeah, plus five 17. and a half is 28 and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's funny because you, you won't even, at 11 years, you won't even be the age that I was when I, left, like, wow. when I lost Jen. And you will have already been through 11 years of, mm. of this. Yeah. And it's, to me, thinking about that, like, look, that you've, you've gone through your entire 20, you will have gone through your entire yeah. 20s with this. It's quite... You know, it, yeah. it's quite a big... To me, that feels quite heavy when I think mm. about that. But, like, also, as someone who's in the latter half of her latter 20s, I'm 37, um, I, like, there's there's quite... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of joy in your 30s and also being embodied and being, like, feeling very different and much, much more comfort in who I am. Right. And so just, like, that will feel very different when mm. you're in your 30s as well, I think. I think so. And I, again, I think there's this expectation that everything gets better and, and things get better with time. But actually, I'm like, none of, no part of me is expecting that, yeah. really. Um, I guess for me, like, I'd love to get to a point where... I mean, so the reason, the reason I feel so passionately about this is because Sam was so passionate about this. Yeah. So when he died, I found his school bag and a few... Um, the, the few months before he died, there were these random posters that were going up around the school being like, mm. this is depression, this is anxiety, this is how you talk to someone. Um, and he died, and I kicked over his school bag, I sent me in the kitchen, and all the posters came out. And he'd been going out after school, putting the posters around school, because he was so oh. desperate for people to like know what these things were. Um, I had no idea, and, and that really hit me. I was like, he was so desperate for people to just know what this was. Yeah. That you know, I'm going to be 99. That's still going to. I hope I make 99. That's still going to have the same emotional connection in my head of like he was just so desperate yeah. for a really simple thing. People just reading a poster. Yeah. Um, so there's always going to be that that part of me that that is committed to helping deliver what he wanted people to do. Um, there's a really difficult balancing act in that of emotional labor because yeah. it's absolutely exhausting yeah. i don't work huge hours i am absolutely exhausted you can't um, work huge hours exactly when this is what you're doing and and for a long time you know we said this whole thing about it's unhealthy guilt to be to be yeah. guilty about netflix you know i'd have I'd do a talk and it, i'd be up at like or tv and i'd be up at like five do a breakfast tv slot i'd get home at nine and I would sleep until one and feel drained. And it's just like... It's no judgment from over here. <laughs> but it's like, it takes a very, very long time to understand the emotional fatigue that you, yeah. that you face. And that you don't have to get up and go on live TV to be emotionally fatigued. No. Telling someone what's gone on with your oh, cousin yeah. is emotionally it's exhausting. It's like the restoring, like when you, I think, so I feel like we, every time you give it out as well, you give it, as in you give the information, you give this, you 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 cushion someone else's emotions in in explaining it 
or talking, you know, yeah. talking on a podcast about it or, you know, anything like that. You know, even, God, after counselling or after therapy, oh, yeah. I, need, I need, like, chocolate and, like, re- just restorative. And it's that restoring restoring myself yeah. back to, like, neutral. And that takes so much effort yeah. and so much time. Definitely. And then I, it, it takes a bit less time than it did, but it definitely, I still just need, like, absolute comfort and, like, people people I know, no new questions, no new experiences, nothing that's really, like, massively sensory you know and I'm 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 a full extrovert now I need I need people around me but sometimes I'm like I just want to be mm. in a room with my three closest friends or like one or two people who I know really well and just stick on trash tv just to like yeah but honestly just because then my brain's got time to like yeah reset to neutral oh and there's no neutral is there it's, no. it's so difficult to find that break when you when your identity and so so close to your identity yeah. is this awful thing it's difficult to get away from that but look five and a half years from now i i think if i'm going along the same journey i'm going on now and it keeps going yeah. just constantly learning learning how my brain works um that's what i'd love to yeah. get to a position of just understanding taking it day by day and just understanding how my brain works um how trauma is linked to anxiety how this way of thinking mm-hmm. about situations is linked to what went went on just understanding the different pathways of my brain um you know you open like a one of the old school roadmaps um that's how i see the next six years yeah. is just slowly mapping all the roads understanding the pathways because most people are born without any education of what that map says yeah and how do you know how you interact with the world? I found a huge amount of comfort and, and relief by just understanding, oh, that thing, that social anxiety, that thing that I'm dealing mm. with, oh, it's linked to that. Of course it is. It's your brain yeah. trying to protect you. It's just like, oh, that's the M25. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Um, so I think just continuing on that learning journey yeah. um, and at the heart of it, never being attacking for being sad because yeah. these things are going to happen you're going to, you're living with this awful thing that's happened you're always going to have that happen and and that angry dog's going to rear its head um <laughs> never attacking it for doing it it's not whack-a-mole yeah it's looking after a pet um so yeah six years from now let's let's hope that's the case yeah i hope so too Thanks so much for listening. Conversations in Company would like to thank Acast for letting us use their studio, our wonderful guests and all you listeners. Thank you for your generous support. Please do rate, review and subscribe or send it to a friend you think might need it. We'll be back with another episode soon.